This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time for a weekly baseball podcast. Tim Benz and Kevin Gorman with you here at Trib Live. Kevin covers the Pirates for us. Read his work every day throughout the course of the baseball season at Trib Live. Go to tribsports.com and you can find the Pirates section. And Kevin will have multiple stories up throughout the course of every week. We catch up with them every Friday here in the Fans First Network at Breakfast with Benz. And Kevin, before we get into the sweep of the Royals by the Pirates, which was a pleasant change, uh, it was nice to see. Kent DeColvey get inducted into the Pirates Hall of Fame along with Elroy Face last weekend. We spoke in advance of those ceremonies last week. Aside from the heat and the lantern flies, I thought it was all in all nice to see for DeColvey to get in and be able to, on behalf of all four nominees, going along with Bob Friend and Dick Grote, kind of take on the role of being the, the spokesperson for all four. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was very gracious of him, the way he handled it. was You didn't make it about himself or even strictly about the 1979 championship team he made it about both world championship teams and and, and you know did the speaking for not only uh, the guys that weren't there but the guy that i think you know kind of opened the door for him to have the career that he did in elroy face you know kind of the, the game's original closer so i i thought i thought teak did a great job i, I thought uh you know I, I really enjoyed speaking with elroy face i've talked with him on the phone a couple times uh, and there's a guy you can just tell by his demeanor why he was as good as he was because he just has a very no nonsense, you know. So you know, we were asking him, you know, do you think your pitch could get him out in today's game? He said they couldn't hit him then; they wouldn't be able to hit it now. You know, it's uh, <laughs> really really enjoyable guy to get a chance to have a conversation with. Kevin, as far as the sweep went for the Pirates against the Royals, yes, it was against the Royals. But what was there to like the most for Pirates fans in those three games that maybe are nuggets to stash away in the back of our heads for next year? Well, I mean, obviously the complete game shutout from uh, Johan Oviedo was a very nice thing. He's He's been up and down, mostly good, uh, but inconsistent. But to see him 
go as deep as he did. You know, it's the, the longest I think he'd ever gone with seven innings. Uh, and, and to be as efficient as he was, was a very promising sign given the state of the Pirates starting rotation right now that he's considered one of the anchors. And, and he's only one of two guys that are really considered full-time starters. Uh, I, I thought the the start by Andre Jackson was also very promising and gave you know potential that he could join that rotation instead of being uh, viewed more as a reliever. I think the Pirates like the idea of maybe stretching him out and making him a starter. And then I think we saw Jack Sawinski get back on track. Those are the three things that really stood out to me. And, and maybe Sawinski being the most important, even though I brought it up last, because of the struggles that he had endured, uh, the, the idea of him you know, becoming a force in the offensive lineup again is really a valuable thing for the Pirates because it's, it's easy to forget that this is a guy that you know is leading them in home runs and also is one of their top uh, players in terms of on-base percentage. He just strikes out a ton. Um, and so, you know, that's that's the trade-off you might sometimes have to be willing to make to get those home runs, but not the slumps that, you know, that you have to endure with Jack Sawinski. That's something he's got to figure out is how to find some more consistency. You would hope that maybe the guy that plays next to him in the outfield, Brian Reynolds, if the two of those guys could figure it out and stay on track on time, uh, you know, with the way that Reynolds uh, and Key Brian Hayes in particular, and even Andrew McCutcheon, uh, you start to look at that and say, okay, you've got, you know, you've got your one, two, three, four in the order. If those guys could all figure it out at the same time, and, and that would be, um, you know, and then you throw O'Neill Cruz into there, and you have five, you know, solid one through five. If that's if Cutch were to return next season, despite what you just talked about, the issues that Jack Sawinski faces, some things that are just present in his game, the slumps that he gets into, it's pretty clear right now, at least from where I'm sitting, like he's going to be one of their top three outfielders next year, right, to, to start the season? I, I think that's an interesting question, Tim, because, you know, I just wrote this morning about uh, Jiwon Bay getting a longer, you know, kind of an extended look in center field. And he, he mentioned to me, he's like, I think they want to see more speed out there. I also think when you look at Sawinski, who I think has been a serviceable center fielder, but, you know, you look at his defensive metrics and he's a minus six defensive run saved, which is not good. And uh, and maybe that's making it more challenging for him as well as that he's playing a demanding position defensively and then trying to provide some power at the plate. Uh, I would imagine that Sawinski is one of your top three outfielders. I just don't know if it's in center field. Maybe their best bet long term is to have you know Jiwon Bay in center field and Sawinski playing in right, which we saw the other night. Uh, but then that that begs a, begs a bigger question: is what do you do with uh, Henry Davis? And do they become platoon players? Does maybe that maybe that and this is this is going a little f- step further. Does that mean you know there's not a return for Andrew McCutcheon and that one of these guys you know kind of rotates? Well, that's the, yeah, that, that's where I was going to go next. Actually, Kevin is. Do we maybe see a situation where at least Sawinski is the DH against right-handers and Bay goes out to center field in those games? And we have a platoon at the DH position and Kutch's role, if he does come back, is minimized even more. That's a possibility. I mean, you know, Andrew McCutcheon's had his struggles as well for for the designated hitter position. You know, Derek Shelton has lauded his professionalism and his at bats, uh, his leadership in the clubhouse and in the dugout. You know, that this is a guy who has, has kind of brought some swagger to the Pirates because he's been there and done that. And the one thing that he hasn't done is won a World Series, and he he's made it very clear that he had the opportunity to do that with other teams. Uh, you know, both in the past and 
this season at the trade deadline that he could have been traded to a contender. He wants to do it with the Pirates. So I, I think there's, you know, there's some give and take on that side of things. Uh, for $5 million, he's been an absolute bargain when you consider some of the guys that the Pirates have paid $5 million to or close to that in the past couple seasons. Guys like Austin Hedges, Roberto Perez, and, uh, um, you know, Yoshi Sutsugo, I think, made $4 million. G-Man Choi made four point six five. Uh, by comparison, total bargain. Um, you know, the question is whether, you know, Kutch would sign for that amount again. He's totally worth it, especially, uh, you know, on the end of the fans. He still receives the biggest ovation every time he comes to bat from Pirates fans at home games. And, and that's something I think he wants. And I think that's something the Pirates would like to continue, given that, you know, he's a gated traction, even, uh, you know, in his advanced age. But, yeah, I, I wonder I wonder about that is I wonder how much are you willing to have a guy who, you know, is, is strictly a de- designated hitter uh, and, you know, can play. He doesn't have to be a platoon guy, but it also it kind of takes away some of your opportunities that you could platoon certain guys against certain pitchers. Are you surprised, as I am, that Reynolds and Hayes are as streaky as they are? Particularly Reynolds. I mean, his personality is such, he's such a steady Eddie kind of guy, but when he is hot, he's hot, but he has gone into more prolonged slumps than I expect in his career, particularly during the pandemic season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the big thing with the Pirates is they have to start showing some consistency, especially those guys at the top. And I think some of them are related to injuries, that these are guys that try to play every day and, and that the Pirates have to like kind of force them to take days off and, and recognize that this is a 162-game season and your body's going to slowly break down over the course of it. Uh, I think the other part of it is sometimes it's related to other players' injuries. I, I, I'm not making excuses for Hayes or Reynolds here because they have to own their batting averages and their slumps. Um, but at the same time, you know, they, they have not had the benefit of having an O'Neill Cruz batting leadoff all season, which would really help them. They have not had the benefit of, of having, you know, a big slugger who's been consistent behind them which could have been helped helped if Sawinski was more consistent. So I, I think that's the, the key right now is this is a team that we've given the Pirates a lot of grace period over the years. You know, we've talked about this four- and five-year plan under this new regime. And at some point, we've had, we've had, we've given them the grace to grow up. And at some point, these guys have to, you know, start playing like the players, the Pirates were expecting them to be, projecting them to be. And, and really, you know, when you're talking about Hayes and Reynolds, paying them to be. Back to the G1 Bay thing for a second. Do you think that they might just kind of be telling him that, uh, hey, yeah, we're looking for more speed out there in center field? Is that the nice way of them saying to him, uh, Piguero's going to be the second baseman next year? Do you think that's part of this whole equation? Well, I, I certainly think that's a big thing that they have to figure out is what they're going to do at second base in the future because of the, the some of the talent they have at the position and, and that nobody's really put a stranglehold on it. You know, when you think about, you know, Adam Frazier was kind of there for a few years and to the point where he developed into an, a, an all-star and then they traded him. Right now, you're, you're looking at, you know, they've had Marcano, Castro, uh, Piguero, Bay, Nick Gonzalez, and then they've got one of the you know one of their top prospects coming up through the system as a second baseman, Termar Johnson. So certainly, I think they're looking for that. I also think that Derek Shelton, from from his days in Tampa Bay and being a Joe Madden disciple, uh, that loves the versatility of a Ben Zobris type of guy who can play multiple positions. And I think they're trying to basically say, if you're so good at one position that we can't move you, like Key Brian Hayes. Uh, then, then you can stay at that position. Otherwise, you've got to be positional flexible. Uh, and 
you know, I, I think that's what they want to see is if there's a day where, you know, they think that G1 Bay could give them a, give somebody a rest at second base, they can play him there, vice versa with center field. But it, it's a way for players to stay on the field, uh, even if, you know, the matchups don't necessarily dictate that. It, it's a way for them to be able to, to have some positional versatility. Finally, Kevin, they got a series coming up against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, given where the standings are right now at the time that we're speaking, this is an opportunity to, uh, from their standpoint, put themselves in good positions so that they at least don't finish in last place this year and they get to see the Cardinals finish behind them for a change. I mean, there's a three-game gap right now. If they win two out of three, uh, that's a good spot to be in going into September in that regard. No doubt, and, and I think that would do a lot of wonders for not only the Pirates but the entire division from for St. Louis to go from first to last <laughs> and have a taste of that. You know, I think that everybody – would start to get a feeling like this division was always viewed as winnable, but now it's certainly wide open. Uh, I think the other thing is the Pirates. It's, have had it's like the Patriots in the AFC East. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's uh, and they're doing it with you know with their versions of you know Tom Brady type of talent. I mean, you know, they still have the guy who was the MVP last year in their lineup, and Paul Goldschmidt, and they have a guy at third base who's a ten-time Gold Glove winner. And so it's not like they're they're dealing with what the Pirates are with losing one of their best players for the entire season. You know, they've, they've not dealt with that. They've dealt with more with the retirement of Pujols and Molina, which has been, you know, been the thing that they weren't able to put a Band-Aid on. Um, but I, I think the other part for Tim is, you know, we, we talked about how the Pirates have had to kind of establish some things this season. And, and one was establishing that they could win at home. When, remember when they were, they had a really lopsided home record. Now it's 32 and 36. Yeah. Um, we, we, we had a, a point where they were in first place and, and failed to put separation between themselves and the Milwaukee Brewers, who are now in first place and, and you know, in what, 13 and a half games ahead of the Pirates. So I, I think that's a key thing for a team mentality wise is to show that you can create separation, that you can win games when you need to, and that you could do it against teams that have really been a thorn in your side. Kind of the big brother mentality, as you mentioned with the Patriots, is, is to beat a team when you have a chance. You know, not necessarily kick them when they're down, but more necessarily step on their neck, um, you know, and, and put, you know, kind of crush the life out of them when you have that chance. And, and so I, th I think that's an important thing. And I, I think the other important thing is to see who the Pirates select. And it may, you know, this may be a short term idea as more of a long term for the Pirates, but to see when they have the chance for the rosters to expand today to see who the Pirates bring up. I'd, I'd personally like to see Jared Jones, the right hander. Um, you know, who was a second round pick a few years ago, who's been doing really well in, in Indianapolis. And I'd like to see Nick Gonzalez just so we can figure out who is going to be the second baseman of the near future, if not long term. Kevin, thanks. Appreciate it. And we'll do it again next week. Thanks for having me, Tim. Always a pleasure. Kevin Gorman from Trib Live covers the Pirates. Read his stuff every week, every day at the Pittsburgh Tribune Review website, Trib Sports. Check him out there. And you can always listen to Kevin once a week on the Fans First Network here at Breakfast with Ben's.